Percy, talk to me about the difficulty when end-of-life issues surface while supporting loved ones who are on a cancer journey. Wayne, providing ongoing support to cancer patients can be a grueling task, requiring tremendous mental, emotional, and physical investment by loved ones who have locked into helping their loved one fight for survival. And thus, when end-of-life becomes a reality, it can become very difficult to turn off that switch when it's time to let go. I think that we should sit down and unpack this dynamic just a bit today. Indeed, an important conversation coming up on Health, Hope, and Inspiration. The following program is produced and sponsored by City of Hope, a world leader in cancer research, treatment, and prevention. Information discussed during this program is not medical advice. Be sure to talk to your medical doctor for information and advice relating to your health. And welcome to Health, Hope, and Inspiration with Percy McRae, Director of Underserved Communities, which includes faith communities at City of Hope. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and we here at Health, Hope, and Inspiration are excited to announce that City of Hope, one of the largest and most respected cancer research, treatment, and prevention organizations in the United States, and its original sponsor and creator, Cancer Treatment Centers of America, CTCA, are now one. With more locations and more access to patients than ever before, City of Hope will continue to expand the faith-sensitive, compassionate care that has always characterized the CTCA model. With City of Hope, people of faith will still experience the same exceptional patient care, now with access to a world leader in cancer research, treatment, and prevention. And Percy, as executive producer and host of Health, Hope, and Inspiration, would you like to add anything to this announcement? Well, again, we're excited. I'm excited uh, here uh, you know, going on almost three decades uh, with CTCA, uh, started out as a young pup and grew up in the organization and have been afforded just the opportunity to reach literally hundreds of thousands of people. Could not be more excited with regard to now being part of City of Hope and that expansive organization uh, as it brings uh, clinical excellence, uh, you know, all sorts of wonderful opportunities to a much larger audience. And so we're excited and thrilled and want everyone to know that, again, uh, they can still expect the same wonderful, you know, a standard of care, uh, compassionate care, integrative services, a whole person care uh, as they continue to seek and look for uh, treatment from a cancer perspective. Could not be more thrilled and excited for our new sponsorship and relationship with City of Hope. Looking forward to it. Indeed, we are. Thank you, Percy. Well, for this program today, we're talking about end-of-life issues, and this conversation has become very acute, hasn't it? Well, interestingly, I've been receiving uh, messages from many different people who know me and know the work that I do about this very topic. And, and, and the question that I've been asked is, what do I do? How do I handle uh, this dynamic? You know, particularly when my loved one wants to quit fighting, it appears that we are at the end of the road, et cetera. Uh, you know, no one has really sat down to talk with and to help instruct people on how to possibly process through this dynamic, particularly when you are an invested uh, caregiver that yeah. you have invested, you've locked into this and, you know, you've, you're, you're bound and determined that you're going to help uh, your loved one uh, push through this. And then the time comes where you have to let go. So it's a difficult conversation, but it's a necessary conversation. Right. Well, as an extension of our conversation today, we have prepared a resource. I say we, you have prepared a resource called Navigating End of Life with a Loved One. And you can download this right now. The Actually, the, it's the notes of what we're going to talk about here today. I assume, Percy, is that right? 
That is absolutely okay. correct, my friend. You can download this at healthhopeandinspiration.com as a, a visual reminder of the very important things we're going to talk about here today. So just keep that in mind as you listen, healthhopeandinspiration.com. Do you want to open with a verse of scripture or two? Our spiritual nugget, James 4, verse 13 and 14, uh Will, will, will give us a framework that we need to consider, that we need to be mindful of, and we need to kind of keep in the back of our mind. It says this, Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, or spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Verse 14, Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist, or some translations say a vapor, mm-hmm that appears for a little while and then vanishes. This scripture really helps us to understand, Wayne, and you know, how many funeral services have I presided over the last, you know, 30 years uh, where individuals got up and said, you know, one day we got up and they were just gone, you know, and we Mm -hmm. never anticipated this or we didn't see it coming because life is fleeting, life is fragile, and life can be here today and gone tomorrow. And that's what this scripture is helping us to understand that our life is like a mist or like a yeah. vapor. And, it, you know, quickly it can vanish and be gone. And we need to try as much as we possibly can uh, to prepare ourselves or be mindful of that dynamic so that when that does happen, that we're not so caught off guard, but still uh, trying to work through the dynamics of grieving and loss. Yeah. Thanks for helping us uh, realize the reality of all of this. You know, we've discussed this many times. The death rates of cancer have decreased by 33% in the last 30 years, and that is just great news. But the fact remains, unfortunately, there are those who succumb to this disease and people do pass away. Indeed, that is true. And in fact, according to the National Cancer Institute, by the year 2040, the number of new cancer cases per year is expected to rise to 29, almost 30 uh, million people, and the number of cancer-related deaths to 16.4 million. So again, we know that we are on this show. Uh, We de-emphasize on this platform as much as we possibly can dying from cancer, because we want people to be encouraged. We want listeners to be encouraged if you're being diagnosed with cancer, that until you get to that place, you are expecting to live and you have a right to fight for that life. Uh, And so again, we want you to have and continue the good fight of faith, uh, but we certainly wanna be balanced with our conversation about about the disease of cancer. And today we're gonna talk about the other side of that. All right. Well, let's take a deep dive on this. This is going to be very important to talk about here today. And once again, you can download uh, the notes of this conversation, Navigating End of Life with a Loved One at healthhopeandinspiration.com. But Percy, you're going to provide six things that one should be mindful of that their loved one is experiencing at the end of life during a cancer journey. As I often do when I am preparing these conversations, I want our conversation to be substantial and informational. Mm-hmm. And so with that being said, six things that that bubbled up out of my spirit that I think is important under the circumstances to consider and hopefully will be helpful to individuals who may find themselves in this situation. Okay, you got our attention. Let's talk about these. Number one, first and foremost, give your loved one permission to be honest about how they really feel about their condition. Uh, Wayne, I've sat at bedside and I've seen patients who have basically not been very honest with their loved ones and and said to them what they thought they wanted to hear because patients will often try to spare their family members 
feelings of disappointment or emotional distress by agreeing to continue to fight when they really want to stop. Hmm. And this is really important. Yeah, to I think understand. so. Right. And so when you understand this dynamic, it, it really requires you to think about the best interest of the patient versus your own best interest at that time. And so patients may feel guilty or selfish for not wanting to continue the fight. And so therefore they will misrepresent what they really are thinking and feeling. And so we want people to understand, give your loved one permission to be honest and tell you what they are really feeling about their condition and at that particular moment in time. And you've seen that this is not always the case, huh? Yeah, I recall a scenario where uh, there was a patient that I was supporting and uh, anytime that, you know, anyone would be in the room, uh, it was a husband and wife team. Uh, the wife would basically speak on behalf of the patient. And I always noticed that when questions were asked of the patient, uh, you know, the wife would kind of interject, oh, he's fine. He's doing good. Yeah, he's he's going to get better today. And I would always kind of notice his facial expression that suggested that that was not necessarily how he felt. And so one day I waited uh, when the wife was, I think, out to lunch or something like that. And um, I just asked him, I said, man, how are you really feeling? How are you doing? And he said, you know, I don't have the heart to, to say in front of my wife how I really feel because oh. she'll she'll just be devastated. Oh. But I don't want to keep doing this. I'm, I'm, I'm tired, I'm, I'm, you know, or whatever. And it was a very honest moment, but he felt that he couldn't have that honesty in front of his wife because she was so fixated. Again, she was locked in. As, as good caregivers will do in saying, we're going to push through this. We're going to make it happen. And and the fact of the matter is, you know, he had basically said that he was ready to stop and discontinue yeah. his treatment and care. So number one is give your loved ones permission to be honest about how they really feel. Okay. Yes. What's number two? Number two, one must determine if their loved ones are finished fighting for just that day or for the totality of their journey. Hmm. And this is an interesting school of thought because we have to try to put ourselves, which is difficult, in the in the place of the cancer patient. Uh, you know, under any given day, they're they're going through treatment. You know, maybe pain medication. Uh, they they just may just be feeling really lousy at that time, and may simply say, "Hey, you know, I, I don't want to do this today." But you need to determine if that's just a, a momentary thing or is that something that basically is going to linger beyond that. And so with that, uh, patients may simply need to take a break from treatment temporarily. And I've seen patients do this who have said, listen, I don't want to do my chemotherapy this week. I just I, I'm just too tired. I'm just too exhausted. And I've seen there there. And this is why having a good relationship with your oncologist is crucial because I've heard the oncologist say, we really should continue. You shouldn't miss this treatment. But if you really don't feel like mentally or emotionally or physically, you can do this this week or your platelets are low. Okay, we're going to skip this rotation or we're going to skip this this radiation and we'll pick back up and we'll see where we, we go from there. So determining if that is just for the day or for the moment or is this something that's going to be long-term, that they just simply feel like, I can't continue to do this at all, becomes a really important thing to understand and to distinguish between. This is something I never would have thought about, were not for your experience at the bedside. 
Yeah, it's and again because I've seen it and I and I've experienced it and you and this is one of the dynamics of why you know I'm grateful to God even though when we initially started out this ministry I'm like I don't know why I'm doing this Lord but okay I, you you it, your plans not my plans right. but there's just so many nuances Wayne to the to ministering and supporting cancer patients and so this is something that becomes a really important dynamic. So you take it day to day, you take it week to week, you take it month to month. But again, determining is if this is just kind of a temporary feeling of mental, emotional or physical exhaustion, or is this something that, you know, is long term? And I recall uh, having a conversation with a mom. She had like a 12 year old son. And, you know, based upon the prognosis, her doctor told her, said, we can still continue to do treatment and care but this appears to be rather futile at this point. This mm -hmm. is your call to make. And she simply looked at, she called me into the room with her husband and she said, listen, Reverend McCray, I don't think I want to continue to do this any longer. I'm tired. I'm frustrated. I'm, I'm you know, I've made peace with God. You know, I, I'm ready to just stop and let whatever the natural course of things take place. And, and if God heals me, that's great. But she said, I, I can't keep doing this any longer. And so, again, it's determining if is that short term or is that long term? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're talking about what to do when your loved one quits fighting and we need to pay special attention to this. Um, maybe you're going through it right now. Uh, maybe you'll go through it in the future. I hope you don't have to. But the reality is all of us are probably going to have to face this at one time or another. So let's continue talking about these points. Again, you can download them at healthhopeandinspiration.com. What's number three? Number three is recognize the difference between encouragement versus forcing someone against their will. Yeah. And this is huge. I've seen this particularly with large families where, you know, death and dying is typically difficult in my experience. And this is not exclusive. Death and dying is typically difficult for family and friends. But most patients, not all have resolved and accepted dying as a possibility when it is time. Hmm. The fact of the matter is most people know when it when they're dying. They know when it's time. They they, they have a feeling. Uh, I think for people of faith that there may even be a, a, a just kind of a, a knowing by the Holy Spirit that, you know, uh, it's time to transition. I believe the Apostle Paul said now, you know, my time now has come. I'm ready to be offered up. You know, this is the great, great Apostle Paul that had some sense of awareness around his departure out of this this physical life that he was living. So, you know, we need to remember you may uh, very well be supporting the patient, but they are the ones doing the best they can to fight as hard and as long as they can. And we need to respect their right to let go if that's how they feel. I'm going to give you a great story. Okay. Um, there was a husband and wife, a wonderful couple, and, you know, had been married, I think, 50 years and the husband was in end of life uh, scenario. And it was clear and obvious clinically that, you know, he probably was not going to continue to live very much longer. And the wife uh, pulled me out of the room one day and asked me, Reverend McCray, uh, do you think I would be a bad wife or a bad mother if, if I gave him permission uh, to go? She said that I think the only reason why he is holding on is because of our three sons that have not had an opportunity to come to the hospital and they were scattered throughout the United States. And so she said, would you help me give him permission to let go if that's what he wants to do? And I said, I surely will. Wow. And she said, am I a bad caregiver? I said, you are not. And so understanding at the end of the day, she said, 
I don't think that he wants to continue to do this. I think that he's just holding on for our children. We go into the room. She says exactly to him that if you're ready to let go, that's perfectly fine. Feel free to do so. Uh, our, our sons will be here like within the next six, seven hours. And if you want to hold on until they come, do so. His sons came. And when they came, he literally within like, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes passed away. Is that right? He started singing before he transitioned, saying, and he said, Lord, I hear you. Oh. I hear you. I see you. I'm coming. I'm coming. It was one of the most moving, powerful moments that I've ever experienced at the bedside of a cancer patient, all because the wife recognized that this is not about me at this point. Yep. This is about what he wants to do and what does he need to do, and we need to give him permission to do so. Yeah. So there's a difference between encouragement versus forcing someone against their will. Thanks for relating that story to us. Well, we're halfway through this list of six things, and we'll get back to the list in a moment, but I do want to bring attention to our journey of hope. You know, caring for people living with cancer is a growing need in every church today, and you've developed the Our Journey of Hope Ministry Leaders Network to equip and empower every Christian leader to better meet this great need. So if you are a pastor, a leader in your church, we want to invite you to join this list of ministry leaders in the Our Journey of Hope Ministry Leaders Network. It's free to join. When you sign up, you'll receive online access to exclusive leaders' resources. There's information about ministry training opportunities and our informative monthly email newsletter. So visit healthhopeandinspiration.com and click on the Our Journey of Hope logo, and you'll be directed to more information. Percy, this is something very near and dear to your heart as you oh, started yeah. this, and uh, we've spent other programs talking about it. I won't ask more about it now, but we just love to see more people sign up for this, wouldn't we? Yes, yes, sir. Absolutely. Continue to know that we are here to support the faith community accordingly with your needs to support and help uh, people with cancer fight the good fight of faith. All right. Let's continue talking about what to do when your loved one quits fighting. We've talked about giving your loved one permission to be honest about how they really feel. We must determine if uh, they are finished fighting for that day or for the totality of their journey. Three, recognize the difference between encouragement and forcing someone against their will. Let's continue. Number four, important, it is okay to say enough is enough. This is a huge uh, mental and emotional and, dare I say, theological conflict for individuals. I've seen family members uh, who simply were in denial uh, and refused to kind of come to terms with this. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a great story. I had a husband uh, whose wife was in a coma uh, close to thir 30 days, almost mm. less than 30 days. Uh, and she had suffered a stroke. Uh, she had a leg amputated. And, and he came to me and he said, Reverend McCray, I think enough is enough. I think we need to just stop this. And I said, well, you're you're her you know, power of attorney. And if that's the, the call that you want to make, he said, I don't think that she would want to live like this in this state of being. Uh, I want to sit down with her physician and I want to have a meeting to tell him I want to discontinue her care. So again, coming to terms to say enough is enough is really important. In some cases, cancer patients are simply physically, mentally, and emotionally exhausted from the overall process of treatment and can't continue on. They just can't do it any longer. We need to be okay with the fact to say that enough is enough and then be objective and open to the possibility that continuing treatment may compromise the remaining patient's quality of life, which was the case with the story that I just gave, and then supporting a patient's decision to discontinue care 
is not an indication. I want every Christian, every strong believer to hear me loud and clear. Supporting a patient's decision to discontinue care is not an indication that you quit on the patient. This is true so many times with children of parents. If I just you know, done more, if I exactly tried harder, right. if I was that's there. Exactly. Yeah, if we right. just pushed a little bit longer, I've seen family members get in heated arguments with doctors and get mad with the medical team. Hear me today, beloved. This is what I've done for 20 plus years. When the doc comes in, which is his ethical or her ethical commitment to do to say, listen, this is, in my opinion, the medical prognosis of your mom and dad. Don't get angry at them. Ethically, they're not supposed to tell you what they want or what they're hoping for. They're supposed to tell you medically what the prognosis is. That is what their job is to do. I've seen family members that have said, I don't want that doctor to come back in this room. We're not we're not talking to that doctor any longer because he's just negative. He won't tell us what we need to hear. And I've had to come behind a doc and I've had to say he's giving you his best or her best medical opinion mm -hmm. of the situation. And it gives them no joy to say to them, I don't think that your mom is going to survive this process. It gives them no pleasure. Think about how many doctors have to go home on a daily basis after telling family members that I think that this is the end of life for your mom or dad. Be that person for mm. a minute. So mm. it's important to understand that, uh, that you know, discontinuing care or agreeing to that is not an indication that you quit on the patient. Such important information here today. Well, number five, if and when the end does come, what do we do? Letting go of the physical presence of a loved one may be made, and I'm going to emphasize, may be made easier by reflecting on precious memories of your loved one that can live on forever and aid in your process of grieving. Do feel free to discuss any emotional uh, distress regarding the possible dying of your loved one with a counselor, minister, uh, psychological uh, person, mental health expert, or person you trust to help you process through your emotions. And because what's going on here is that the reality of death, uh, the shock of that, the trauma of that now is staring you in the face. And what happens for many of us when we are in shock or in trauma, you know, we just knee jerk at that. You know, we're, we're not, we don't really know what to do or what to say or how to feel. And depending on where we're located, uh, you know, and how we cope through scenarios. I say this all the time, uh, death and dying, I've seen this, uh, funerals typically brings out the best and the worst in people. Yeah. So depending on where you are located with how you cope, how you manage with stress or uh, uh, unwanted news, that probably becomes your reaction in, in those situations. Uh, we've I've seen uh, family members that have had to be escorted uh, because by security, because they become violent. They want to, mm. they want to lash out at people, mm. you know, uh, they start throwing things, you know, or what have you, because they're just working through the knee jerk reaction of this reality being told to them. And so one of the things that I've tried to do and attempt to do in those situations, the chaplain always gets called for those scenarios. <laughs> I actually, true story was, was punched in the face no. by a brother of, of, uh, a loved one, his brother, uh, a gentleman was brought into our ER and died in our ER, and his brother came through the door, and he was so emotionally distraught oh. as I am comforting his wife, uh, his sister-in-law. 
he literally punched me in the face no and knocked way. me out cold. I was unconscious. Uh, because and then he ran out the hospital in a rage and and they had to follow this guy. So again, uh helping people sometimes reflect on the memories, those memories yeah. of uh, precious memories of the loved one, good times, the things that they did together can help in some cases soothe them and calm them down and kind of help them kind of take a heartbeat or two mm-hmm. as they're trying to process this shock yeah. of, of their loved one transitioning and going away. Well, even as you say this, I, I'm thinking there's a lesson here for the best of times, and that is live without any regrets you know mm. live live uh in in um love with uh, your family members and also that when that time comes you don't have all this negativity to deal with that's exactly correct one of the things one of the practices that i learned to do is uh gather family members around the bed of a loved one uh if they are actually transitioning at that moment uh and particularly for people of faith you know we we will sing a hymn uh, I'll have family members give them an opportunity. Would you like to say something to your loved one right now? Would you like to, you know, forgive them, ask for forgiveness? Would you like to say something about a memory that you had? And it it really does therapeutically help people kind of process that a little bit better. It helps to ease that. It doesn't take away the pain. And I want to be clear about that. But it does help to maybe minimize some of that emotional trauma and shock where there becomes a much more peaceful kind of transition that takes place. And and then, you know, you have a moment uh, as a family together. So there are some things to be considered with regard to that. Well, with Percy's help, we've been working our way through this list of what to do when your loved one quits fighting. And this is such a, an important conversation to have, not a conversation we, we particularly enjoy bringing to you, but uh, it's one that's very, very necessary and can be of great help to you perhaps now certainly in the future. So we've come to point number six, Percy. Yeah, the big point for today, and again, this is to the faith community. I say it loudly and I say it proudly. Do not do this, please. I've seen it happen. I've heard it so many times and it is so hurtful. Never associate discontinuing medical treatment as a lack of faith. Hmm. Discontinuing treatment or one deciding that they are tired, they are exhausted, they don't want to do this any longer, or if it is now compromising what quality of life an individual may have, and they're simply saying, listen, I want to uh, maintain what level of quality of life I have, and we'll see what happens from there. This is not a lack of faith. And I've talked to now many faith leaders. I've asked their opinions about this, and I think that the tide is certainly shifting with regard to this theologically. It may actually require, listen to this school of thought, folks, it may actually require more faith to believe that our loved one will be better off in the afterlife in the presence of God than struggling to maintain a quality of life with sickness and disease. I agree, yes. I want to challenge us theologically today about, in some cases, what faith is and is not. It may require actually more faith, (laughs) Now, you, you know, saying, I want to use my faith, I'm trusting God, then let's trust and believe that our loved one who has struggled and has been struggling and, and things have not gone well, that at the end of the day, they are better off in the presence of God. We have to kick into our theology. And I know people who are not people of faith tend to think that, you know, that's just pie in the sky and we're just making up fables and fairy tales and we believe in unicorns. But for those of us who, who who have a deep abiding faith, of course, in the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe in the resurrection. We believe in the afterlife. 
our loved one is going into a far, far better place. And in fact, when they get into the presence of God, we wouldn't give them be able to give them $20 million to come back here. <laughs> They're standing in the presence of Almighty God. And God and all of the angels of heaven are rejoicing that they are in his presence. It may require more faith to believe that than to continue to struggle to maintain a quality of life with sickness and disease. Fantastic points made here today by Percy McRae. And if you would like to have them in written form, go to our website. It's available right now at healthhopeandinspiration.com and download these thoughts, which is available as a free resource and follow-up to today's conversation, healthhopeandinspiration.com. Percy, I know you have a closing thought in a moment, but I do want to share, again, our excitement to announce that Health, Hope, and Inspiration and Abide Meditations have teamed up to make a premium subscription of Abide's mobile app free to our community, this HHI community. Uh, Bible meditation is so important. If you'd like to learn how to meditate with this app, you can learn to meditate in five minutes a day. Rest peacefully with Abide's Bible-based sleep stories. So to take advantage of this free offer, text HHI to 22433. That will give you a free subscription to access this app. Quiet your mind, relax your body. Text HHI to 22433, and we believe you will be blessed and encouraged. Well, closing thought to this conversation, Percy, this has been so very, very helpful. Well, I'm grateful for this conversation. I'm grateful for the fact that I've been able to experience and and support individuals who have worked through this because this is part of of, uh, being a human on planet Earth that we live. And then at some point, eventually we do pass away and transition. And so I know letting go of a loved one who is battling sickness and disease is never easy or simple. No. And coming to terms with death and dying is very multi-layered and complicated to say the least. And after officiating many funeral services over the last two decades, I've learned that people who are trying to manage the death and dying of people, again, as stated earlier, can bring out the best and unfortunately in some cases the worst in us simply because individuals struggle to figure out how to cope with this reality in the face of loving and caring for someone close to them. I understand that. There are many emotional phases and stages that no one is really prepared to encounter under these circumstances. So remember, everyone grieves in different ways and most certainly at a different pace. And if and when you find yourself in this complicated space, hopefully something discussed here today may be of help to you when you're faced with supporting someone during end of life. And so I want to read a closing scripture, a different scripture. Okay. Second Timothy 4, 6 in my closing remarks. This is the Apostle Paul talking. He says, for I am now ready to be offered. He's talking about the closing of his life, transitioning away from this human body. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. May we all be able to say that for a loved one who has battled through a season of sickness and disease, and if end of life becomes a reality, Let us remember that they fought a good fight. 
and that they finished their course and that they kept the faith. They didn't lose. In fact, they won. May God bless you and keep you in that moment in time. You've pastored us well today, Percy. Thank you, brother. Bless you. Thank you. It's my privilege. And remember, we've got work to do, folks. So let's keep chopping the wood. Stay at it. Stay encouraged. And remember, potentially the best is still yet to come. Please join us next time for Health, Hope, and Inspiration. Health, Hope, and Inspiration is sponsored by and produced by City of Hope, a world leader in cancer research, treatment, and prevention. If you or someone you love is fighting cancer, consider City of Hope, a world leader in cancer research, treatment, and prevention. Our hospitals in California, Georgia, Illinois, and Arizona are dedicated to making a difference in the lives of cancer patients. Our team of more than 11,000 includes researchers, associates, scientists, doctors, nurses, allied health professionals, graduate students, fundraising specialists, marketing professionals, and volunteers and support staff, all united by our desire to find cures and save lives. Visit healthhopeandinspiration.com to view our cancer-related resources or to contact our oncology information specialist about questions you may have about your treatment options. City of Hope is dedicated to tailoring a combination of cancer treatments to the needs of each individual patient. From advanced genomic testing to state-of-the-art technologies and evidence-informed supportive care therapies like spiritual support that target cancer-related side effects, comprehensive services are delivered by a team of cancer experts. Our national network also includes many clinical care locations, offering consultations and other medical services in a convenient outpatient setting. Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com.